Yeah. <clears throat> we'll continue. Um, first Samuel chapter seven. I'll read. Then the men of Kajanjarim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. So it was that the ark remained in Kajanjarim a long time. It was there 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asteroids from amongst you and prepare your heart for the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the bowels and the asteroids and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said, there we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel charged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against, the Israel, against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the, land, from the hands of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines draw near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and draw them back as far as below Bedkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hands of the Lord was against Philistines all the days of Samuel. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored from Akron to Gaz, and Israel recovered its territory 
from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. But he always returned to Ramah, for his home was there. There he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> In our previous studies of this unique book, Brian covered the first six chapters, and we can see a spiritual bankrupt nation, a special nation so dear to God, to God's heart, but far detached from him due to unimaginable level of disobedience in the heart of his people. The level, the level of corruption and injustice within the leadership as well as the priesthood reflects the enormity of rebellion and waywardness of the Israelites at that time. If we can go back to chapter two of Second Samuel, after Samuel, chapter 2, 12 to 17. The wicked sons of Eli. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord and the priests' customs with the people was that when any when any man offer a sacrifice, the priest's servant will come with a three-plunged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he will thrust it into the pan of kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest will make for himself or will take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also before they burned the fat, <clears throat> the priest's servant will come and say to the man who sacrificed, give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, they, will, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desire. He will then answer him, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord. For men abhor the offering of the Lord. <clears throat> Referring to this very chapter and verse, is just a reflection, just to you know, just to refresh our memory about the level of sin, corruption that was even at the high places among the priesthood, among the leaders of the Israelites at that time. It was so bad that God was. Um, it was so bad that God was kind of looking at what to do with these people. But because he's 
a God of a God that promises <clears throat> and maintains, you know, a faithful God. So in all this, he maintained his patience with the Israelites. Chapter six <clears throat> of First Samuel began. Sorry. Chapter 6 of 1 Samuel begins with the Philistines calling in, in, their, in their diviners and the priests to advise them on what to do with the ark of God. Having captured it all this while and it's been with them, the ark of covenant stayed in the Philistines' territory for seven months. And as plagues began to ravage their land, they now had no choice than to seek for advice, you know, um, a way out, what to do, what next to do. In that manner, they were advised on what to do. Chapter six, one to nine. Chapter six, one to nine. Stated as thus. Now the ark, now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months, and the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we shall send it to its place. So they said, If you send away the ark of the of God, do not send it empty but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering, then you will be healed and it will be known to you why his hand is removed from you. Then they said, what is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, five golden tumors and five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your, on your lords. Therefore, you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land, and you shall give glory to God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods and from your land. Why then do you harden your, your heart as the Egyptians? And the pharaohs, as the Egyptians hardened their hearts when he did mighty things amongst them, did they not let the people, the people, the people go that they might depart? Now, therefore, make a new cart, take two mill, mill cows which have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the carts and take their cows home away from them. Then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart and put the articles of gold which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. And watch if it goes up the road to its own territory, to Bethshemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that struck us, 
it happened to us by chance. <clears throat> so here the priest and the diviners made it absolutely clear that it is necessary to send the ark back. And they warned that it should not be on empty handed, but that they should send the God of Israel a trespass offering of five golden emeralds and mines, according to the plague that was on their Lord. Therefore, in order to appease the God of Israel, the Philistines must send golden replicas of the, the mines and the tumor. They were reminded not to harden their hearts as Pharaoh did in Egypt. If they did, they will also be destroyed as, the, as Egypt was. And they did as they were canceled. And the Levites met and took the ark of the Lord and made sacrifice to the Lord in the same day. Each of the five lots of the Philistines returned home, Ashdod, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. Now the problem didn't end for the men of Benjamin, as many of them began to look into the ark of the Lord. And according to chapter 619, God struck 50,070 men because they had looked into the ark of, the, of God. They quickly sent for the inhabitants of Kejajari to retrieve the ark of God because it was harming them. When you look at what, uh, what happened and what took place, first of all, things can only change when we acknowledge where it stems from. And the earlier, the earlier we realize when we make the mistake or when we sin, the better for us and the earlier for us to return back to God. The Philistines, they have their own gods different from the living God. Yet when they encounter the living God, they realize that the best thing to do is you know, to go back to him or rather to, make, to, to put things in order, to make amends and to pay restitution. That's exactly what they, they asked for, advice. And the advice was given to them and they acted upon that. And that was the end of their, their, their problem with the ark. Now it became a problem to the people of Beshemesh as they began to look inside the ark. 50,070 men were struck dead, according to the, this uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Now, chapter 7. We are. We need to understand what uh, what the chapter, what the, this very chapter is saying. 
it started <clears throat> from where they stopped. He said, then the men of Kejajarim came, came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. The, the, the dwelling place of God at that time, where it's supposed to be at that time, was at Kijajarim and in the care of Abinadab, the house of Abinadab. And Eliezer, his son, was to keep the ark of the Lord. <clears throat> Now we can ask ourselves, where is the right place of the presence of God? It is in our hearts. But in those days, the ark has to be somewhere. But today, the ark is in our heart, which is the presence, the 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 ark of the of of of, the, of God is our own hearts, the heart of men. And when we look at, when we look at all these things, he said that Ebenezer was only mentioned three times in the Bible. One, we ought to understand the definition, what it means. Ebenezer means stone of help. The background of its meaning and significance, it began in chapter four. In chapter four of um, Fort Samuel. With the Israel and the Philistines. Chapter four. Chapter four, one to 11. It says, now the Israelites went to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in the battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men, so men of the army in the field. And when the people come into the camp, the elders of the Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of Covenants of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes amongst us, it may save us from the hands of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the Ark shook, that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this, what 
does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord has come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us for such thing has never happened before. Woe to us who will deliver us from the hands of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourself like men, you Philistines, that you do not come, you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have, begin, as they have been to you. Conduct yourself like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled his tent. There was very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of the Lord was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas died. So here the battle ground was here in Ebenezer. It started here in chapter four. And we can see the devastations, the defeats that took place and subsequently what follows. Now, they reckon that if they bring the ark of the Lord in their means, that the whole thing that the Lord will fight their battle. Well, that's how it was. And that's how God's been uh, uh, dealing with them. But they forgot that sin is, has now created a demarcation between them and the living God. And they did not know that the presence of the Lord is no longer in the ark at that time. Why? Because of the sin of man. It's still like that today. God does not dwell in the midst of sin. If you entrenched in sin and hope that God will continue to win your battle, that God will continue to fight your battle, you will be disappointed. That is the fact, you will be disappointed. God does not dwell in the midst of sin. He's so pure that he cannot identify with that. So at that time, it become a place of defeat. They set up a camp beside Ebenezer in preparation for battle against the Phoenicians. And during this period of time, Israel was so deep and infected with the worship of idols. They practiced rituals and neglected offerings to the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, 22-24, we are told about the sin, about the sinful dealings of the two sons of Eli and his rebuke to them saying, that's Eli's rebuke to them saying, no, my, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. 
you make the Lord's people to transgress. Because, why is that? Because they are the priests. They are the leaders, so to say. When they sin, it affects the people and it reflects on the people. When the people that are supposed to, they're supposed to be an example and they are not showing the example. The same way the people will copy from them. So it was in this sinful state that the elders of Israel felt that if they fetched the Ark of the Covenant and had it within the camp, that it would provide them with the protection of the Lord's Lord in battle. Great excitement came within the Israel camp when the Ark of the Covenant arrived. And the exclamation was so great that the earth, according to chapter one, uh, Samuel, uh, one, uh, first Samuel four, five, it was so great that the earth shook. And this brought the attention of the Phoenicians. And they were even troubled and intimidated by the shout and the scream under the assumption that God was within the camp of Israel. And they remember from history and said that these are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. But nevertheless, the Philistines, <clears throat> they sum up courage and fought Israel. At that point, if you look at it, there was no courage in the hearts of Israel. They have lost the courage. They were afraid and disobedience was in their heart. And these, if we can recall in the book of Joshua, these are the three main things that God told them. Number one, that they shall be, uh, they shall not fear, that they shall be courageous and they shall be obedient. These three things were missing at this point in the life of the Israelites. And on the other hand, the Philistines, even, <clears throat> even though they have heard the noise and the commotions, the quake, yet they summon courage. So in this scenario, while the Israelites were going down, they themselves were going up. And it is natural where there is sin, there is no confidence. Where there is sin, there is always fear. And where there is sin, there you find disobedience. So after a great defeat, the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And for that, the priests, Hophni, Phinehas, they were slain. They died in the battle. And upon hearing their demise, their father, Eli, fell backward, broke his neck, and died because he knew their death fulfilled the prophecy mentioned in 1 Samuel 2, verse 34. 
and this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day, they shall die, both of them. This very verse was fulfilled. Two of them died, and which led, led to the death of their of um, Eli, their father. So now we look at this place of lamentation. At that time, this Ebenezer become a place of lamentation. So Israel was under the mistaken assumption that God's protection will be present so long as she continue in idol worship. In this sinful state, Israel felt that the possession of the Ark of Covenant was symbolic of the divine presence. They were led to summon the Ark based on the former success when it was in her possession. But this foolish re reliance led to defeat since no confidence was rightly placed in God. The confidence was placed in something else on the material. They look for the ark of God not because they have confidence in God. They have confidence in that ark, the object. And when you lose focus, when you look, lose focus, you are no more in right standing with God. When you detach from the living God, you are not standing strong because you are on your own. And the forces that is against us is so powerful that it can only take God to deliver. It can only take God to give us victory. And the Bible made it clear that the battle is not for us, it's for God. We cannot fight God's battle by our own strength unless God permits. So in this case, they, there was no connection. No, that connection with God is no more there. And yet they went ahead to brought it into the camp and they suffered def defeat. Now, since the defeat at the hands of the Philistines, 20 years has passed. In Samuel, 4 Samuel 7, 3, verse, uh, verse 3, he said, Then Samuel spoke to the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and, and the asteroids from amongst you, and prepare your heart for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. This is the only solution. Samuel gave them the blueprint of returning back to God. That they should, they should take away, throw away, destroy those 
little gods that they have entangled themselves with. Those little idols that they have put their trust in instead of the living God. And he said to them, if you do return unto the Lord with all your heart, then put away strange gods and asteroids from amongst you and prepare yourself, prepare your heart unto the Lord and serve him only. And the result will be, he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Because the Philistines were the only problem at that time that the Israelites were facing. The Philistines supposed to be their slave, but because of sin, the Philistines now become their, their master, their worst enemy, and were terrorizing them all corner. And we can see that the, the glory of the Lord was no more with the Israelites, even at that point. Here, just like the, the Philistines did in listening to the priests and their diviners, the Israelites responded in kind and they continue, discontinued the worship of the false gods of Baal and Ashtoreth. A revival took place and Israel returned to serve the Lord only. And verse 4 of uh, chapter 7 said, So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. They now returned to God and put their trust back in him. We encounter sins every day, every single day. Sometimes unknowingly. But at any point, we acknowledge our sins and repent from them. God receives us anew. And God, God's protection and blessings will come to us afresh. Samuel then gathered all the Israelites to Mizpah for prayer, which includes both fasting and repentance. They fasted because Samuel advised that they should go back to God. That is the only way. So they prayed they fasted, and this led to, led to repentance. At this point, as they, as they were fasting, as they were praying, as they were, you know, bearing their hearts before God, the Philistines themselves, they received a word that the children of Israel, that they have journeyed to Mizpah, and they went there to fight against the Israelites. The children of Israel, uh, when they heard about this, when they saw this, now they pleaded to, um, to Samuel to continue to pray for the Lord 
that they may spare, that they may be spared from the Philistines. You can imagine they were still even afraid, but in this case, they realize that the only way out is to go back to God. And it's only God that can save them from the hands of these Philistines at that time. They recognized that and they insisted that Samuel should keep on praying, even on their behalf. Samuel did offer a lamb offering, a burnt offering, and then cried out unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard his prayer. Now, from a place of lamentation, the same Ebenezer, it's now a place of victory. When the Philistines, when the Philistines, when they got close to where Israel, Israelites were, there was a great thunder. And they were scared. And it shook up the Philistines. They lost confidence. Uh, verse 10 said, Verse 10 said, Now, as someone was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to the battle, the battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused, and so confused them that they were overcome before the Israelites. The Israelites did not raise a finger. They did not throw any, sto any stone. They did not fire any gun. They did not throw any arrow. The Bible said that the, that, that the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day. The Lord now fight for the battle for them. And this state of dismay allowed the Israelites to, to prevail. Now what happened? Samuel memorialized the victory and set a stone between Mizpah and Shen. First Samuel verse 7 12 tells us that he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. One of the greatest mistakes that we do most often as human beings, even as Christians, is we don't realize most often that it is the Lord, all these victories, all these survivals, all these provisions, all these victories, that all of them, it is the Lord's help. It all comes from God, not any other source. Not because we are this or that. Not because we are powerful. Not because we are, you know, that we have all it takes to be where he places us. It's God that helps us every day of our life we should raise Ebenezer. 
we should raise a Beniza to God to show that this is how the Lord has helped us. Are you in a good health condition today? Raise a Beniza to God. Are you having breakthrough in your business, in your work, in whatever you lay your hands on? Raise a Beniza to God, for it is him that is doing all these things. Not you, not because of your strength, not because of your knowledge, not because of your wisdom, not because of your wealth, nothing. Because of Samuel's faithfulness and Israel's repentance, a newfound faith in the one true Lord. The hands of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. As stated in, uh, in, in, in verse 13. He said, so the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hands of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. So when we look at Ebenezer, at the Ebenezer stone, we often find ourselves guilty of the reliance on superstitions, on something that is immaterial, on formalities, on the worship of idols, on putting our trust in things that doesn't exist in the first place, on things that is fashioned by man. We place our trust on things that doesn't have any meaning, to, doesn't add even to our life spiritually. When we look at the stone of Ebenezer, when we raise Ebenezer to God, we will find ourselves guilty of doing the wrong thing. We will find ourselves guilty of entangling ourselves in things that does not add to our spiritual growth. So in times of spiritual uh, stagnancy, turmoil or discontent, we found our Ebenezer. We may justify the reason for our actions under the pretext that this is just the way uh, things are done, or maybe it's the fashion of the day. No. The stone of Ebenezer should signify to us that trusting in anything or anyone short of Christ is, is not the way. It's a sure way to failure. In defeat of failure, we must repent from misplaced trust and from leaving Christ out of the equation. If we recognize our misplaced, trust and reverse course, he is there faithfully to forgive us. He is there faithfully to grant us mercy. He is there to provide his guidance and protections to us. 
if we realize this is repentance. And we often find ourselves in a place of lamentation when we are disobedient to God. That is natural. When, you are, when we are, mis- are disobedient, we lose the confidence. We cannot approach God the way we should. Even if, if you take, for instance, with our godly, godly fathers and parents, when we are disobedient, we find it difficult to look at them, to come to them with confidence. We find it difficult to approach them the way we should. We often lost courage when we do not put our trust in Christ Jesus. And when we are far from God because of sin, we become porous and the enemy can draw close to us and we become vulnerable and defeat and destruction. However, we can always find our place of victory in Christ when we repent and put our trust in him. He is always ready to forgive us. He's always ready to restore us to a glory or at a glorious position and we will have the cause to glorify his mighty name. The best thing, the first thing first, we need to repent. Come back to God as the Israelites have just done here in this chapter. They realize their mistakes. They realize their shortcomings. They realize where the problems stem from. They saw the defeat, where it come from, the reason for that defeat. Remember, defeat is not our portion as children of God. And when you put your trust in him, victory is yours at all times, though the enemies will try. But in the end, you will find victory. But when we are detached from Christ, when we put our trust in something else, we become a feather to every wind that blows. We become we, we become vulnerable and we cannot stand. It is good to go to God in prayer. Whenever, whenever you feel that you have gotten it wrong, go back to God. He's always there for us. If he, at this point, as we read in this chapter, if he could come back and give victory to the children of Israel, if he could come back and fight the battle for them, how much more? He can still do it today. He is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. 
he never changed. The power and the battle that he fought on their behalf, he's still fighting for us today. Why would we detach ourselves from him? There is no place better than our place in God. There is no other place that is more comfortable than where God is. His presence, his glory is all we need at all times. And without it, we are doomed. But with it, victory is always us, ours, in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, I thank you for how you've led us. I thank you for your words that have gone forth. Bless it in the, in the heart of your people. Help us to realize, O oh Lord, that you are God and will always fight our battle. Draw us closer to thee, O oh Lord. Even when we've gone astray, help us to realize that you are the living God, that you are always there for us, that you will fight our battle, that you will rescue us even from the hands of the enemy. Restore us, O Lord, and bless your people, and blessed be your name. Amen. Amen.